Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. We have a problem. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Everybody going to Vegas! Ready, set, Vegas. You're in or you're out. You say anything about gambling? 11 days of basketball in the desert oasis. oasis. That bastard cashed a bad check downstairs and gave you his reference. What happened here? Only happens here. Only happens I remember thinking, Jesus. Who wants to be my father? Welcome to the Daily Ding here on the Athletic NBA Show. I am Jared Weiss, Celtics reporter for the Athletic, and I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend, John Krasinski, the Wolves beat writer for the Athletic. He is the beat in Minnesota, and he has been on top of everything going on there, and there has been a lot going on. So let's start with the main thing, which is the Rudy Gobert trade. And the Rudy Gobert trade, I feel like the context becomes even more interesting with the Kevin Durant sweepstakes dragging on, where they, from everything I'm hearing, uh, Brooklyn's been asking for like 14 star players and 25 picks because the Gobert package was so big. So I guess to understand, like to understand the modern trade market, we have to understand why Minnesota did the Rudy Gobert trade the way they did. So can you just, I guess, walk us through why the franchise is willing to dive in so strongly for a player that is a relatively polarizing star and what Tim Connolly's addition to the front office has to do with that. Yeah, Jared, I think it kind of all speaks to a sort of newfound aggressiveness from the Timberwolves, both with Tim Connolly, but also with the new ownership that's come in, Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez. They are not... Uh, technically running the show just yet. Glenn Taylor is still the majority owner, but in a year and a half now, um, they will assume majority control of the franchise. And so um, you, I, I think that what they looked at after last season was that they had this sort of renaissance year. They had been down in the dumps for many, many years outside of the one Jimmy Butler year, which was still a disaster. And um, and they were trying and and so they they come out last season they have forty six wins they double their win total they're really kind of like the oh I don't know what you'd say I I just say that like like the feel good story of um uh, of the NBA with just Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns having a, a sort of revival season and 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 really playing well and getting to the playoffs and pushing Memphis to six games and uh, maybe even arguing that you could be in, they could have been in position to win that series had they just closed things out a little bit more and, and been more disciplined, but they came out of that series believing two things. One is that they just needed to get bigger. They needed to get tougher. They needed to get stronger. Um, they needed to get better on the, on the glass and with protecting the rim. So, um, so that was a priority going into the offseason, even before Tim Connolly arrived. Um, then you get to a situation where, um, uh, the, the the rest of the West is going to be so much better. Kawhi Leonard's coming back. Paul George is going to be healthy. Anthony Davis presumably will be healthy. You have Zion, you have Jamal Murray, you have Michael Porter Jr. You have all of these um, other components that are coming in to make the conference so much better. And so they looked at the team that they had that was so fun, that was so energetic, that was kind of really reviving interest in the in the NBA in the Twin Cities last year. And they said, if we don't make big changes, if we don't make big improvements, 
they could be the Atlanta Hawks. They could be the New York Knicks and, and slide back um, and, and not uh, be able to kind of continue the momentum that, that has been generated from this season. So um, they wanted to get bigger. They wanted to protect the rim and they wanted to just get a lot better. And so that was the, the, the approach going into the Rudy Gobert discussions. And they looked at a player that is a three-time defensive player of the year. That is the, the best rim protector in the league, the best, one of the best rebounders in the league and figured that he would just cover up a lot of their weaknesses. Um, they, you know, they believe that also they can help his weaknesses. You know, he's maybe not, you know, this offensive focal point. He's maybe not um, everything you want from a you know shooting aspect or anything like that, but they have enough other pieces around him to unlock some more from his game. And so they just looked at the, the, the match and the fit and felt it was a, a natural one and felt like he was an absolutely elite player that was going to be gettable and that wanted to be in Minnesota. And that's a very hard needle to thread. And so they went all in on it. Um, it was, as you know, the talk of Las Vegas in terms of the price that they paid and the match with Carl Anthony Towns and what they're trying to do here. But, um, but it's a, it's a sort of a gamble it is, but the the wolves believe that this is actually uh, a, a really good fit for them and, and what they're wanting to do and wanting to accomplish next season. Yeah. Cause I, I can't tell you how many conversations I had with agents and front office people about the price. And it's easy to just laugh at the price out of hand, mm -hmm. but I know you've talked about something that I think is really important, which is the fact that they kept Jaden McDaniels and they basically didn't really surrender a player that was like a core player that you usually have to build a pick package around when you're making a deal like this. I really like Jaden McDaniels. And I remember talking to someone in the Wolves front office right when the draft happened about like, why'd you guys take Jaden McDaniels there? And they were so hyped that they got him that late in the draft because they were like, this guy is misunderstood. He's going to, we're going to reuse him or we're going to repurpose him in the league as a three and D wing first and foremost. And then we're going to build out from there. And it's really promising. And so by keeping him, it seems like they're able to make a trade for another star, which regardless of how you feel about Rudy Gobert, he's obviously a star, he's a huge impact player. And then they're able to still keep like their most important defensive component there. So it seems like they do have the recipe to potentially have an elite defense, but I guess why, why did they want to keep Jaden? And do they think that by keeping him, that's what allows them to be able to actually put that elite defense together? Yeah, they, they do, Jared. I mean, um, I, I do think that if you're a casual fan or if you just don't, you know, immerse yourself in in Timberwolves uh, uh, intelligence and, and all of the everything that that you need to do to kind of really evaluate this roster, you may look past Jaden McDaniels or you may kind of discount him a little bit. But quietly, um, the Wolves have been sky high on Jaden McDaniels for a couple of years now. His length, he's almost 6'10". He has super long arms. He is a already a very, very good defensive player who can guard one through four quite easily. Um, but really he's kind of emerged in the last season or so as their best perimeter defender. You're going to see him on Luka Doncic. You're going to see him on James Harden. You're going to see him on the, the best wing players that uh, an opponent has on a nightly basis. And not only do they love his defensive potential and, and what he's shown already there, but they think that he can be, a really good two-way player. Uh, he hit a bunch of threes in the game six 
lost to Memphis in the playoffs and really played well offensively and was starting to come into his own. He can do a few things off of the dribble um, and, and, and has some kind of variety and diversity to his game. He's not just a three and D type of a player. And, and so they believe that he can be a fringe all-star type of a player for, for them. And the, the most important part of this was that they think that he can give Rudy Gobert the type of help on the perimeter defensively that the Utah Jazz just never could. And when you put a long-armed uh, perimeter defender to, with a super long-armed uh, post and rim protector, um, they, they just think that that's a, an unbelievable combination. And I think one of the things that has been a criticism of Gobert in the playoffs, he allegedly gets played off the floor, like all these, all these things, really what the Timberwolves looked at in studying the thing, the issue is they believe that the jazz were what failed Rudy Gobert more than uh, Rudy Gobert failing the jazz in those situations. And so if you can put Jaden McDaniels with them, if you can put Anthony Edwards, who's actually a sneaky, good perimeter defender with him, they think that they can keep him on the floor more than Utah was able to. And Danny Ainge was really pushing hard for Jaden McDaniels. He really did want him as a primary component of that deal. And the Wolves held firm on that end of it and offered up more draft capital instead to get the deal done just because they believe that Jaden is a bona fide rising star in this league. And, you know, if they're picking in the 20s, um, they're going to be looking to try and, and and duplicate that when they already have that player on the roster. And he's 21 years old. He, he's he's super young. He's still under rookie on a, on his rookie deal for another couple of years. And so that's why they really were determined to keep Jade McDaniels out of that uh, out of that package that they offered Utah because they think that with him here uh, now all of a sudden their starting five is super long. Uh, can cover the entire court and really sets them up to be not only good offensively, but yes, elite defensively. Cause they were number 13 in the league in defense last year and they weren't, you know, nearly as good as what they're going to be this coming year. So I think they can, they see themselves as a top eight, maybe even a top five defense with all of the components they have starting with Gobert. Well, I mean, they have to be a top five defense to make the draft, the trade worth it really have mm -hmm. to be like a top three. Uh, and I mean, as much as I love Jared Vanderbilt and he was really good defensively last year, I mean, Rudy's a pretty huge upgrade. And, you know, I, I, I said McDaniel says like the component of the trade, we shouldn't downplay Jared Vanderbilt. He is a really mm -hmm. good player. He's a really He's, important role player to a contending team for sure. For sure. He, and he was like important in so many different ways for the Timberwolves last year. I mean, a lot of the energy and a lot of the, um, kind of intensity derived from both Jared Vanderbilt and Patrick Beverly, two players that were that went to Utah in that deal. Beverly will probably go somewhere else, but um, but Vando uh, really emerged after a couple of years of foot injuries and rehab and and doing those things to become this Swiss Army knife workhorse type of a player. And he's a, a great rebounder, another guy who can guard multiple positions, really well liked within the locker room, incredibly hard worker. Um, and so, yes, they, they absolutely gave up talent on top of the draft picks that they gave up. They did give up real talent in Vanderbilt, Beasley, Beverly, Walker Kessler, Balmero, those guys, like they're, they're good players in that group. But I think that the, one of the reasons that the Timberwolves 
included Jared Vanderbilt in this deal was that basically if he were still on the roster with Rudy Gobert, there's really nowhere to play him significant minutes. Um, you know, he's not going to start. Rudy Gobert is going to start. You can't really play him with Gobert. That's two non-shooters. You could play him some with Towns, obviously he played with Towns last year, but um, you also have Kyle Anderson. You also have Torian Prince. There just was not going to be a lot of room for him on the roster. And so I think they, they tried to get Jared into a position where he would be able to play and see big minutes because he deserves that. He's a really good player. And I'm sure there's jazz fans that are freaking out. Like, I can't believe we put Balmaro in the deal, <laughs> stuff like that. I could tell you my, my favorite story about that was back when I was a kid and I grew up a Celtics fan and uh, they made the KG trade. And I'll never forget. I was so angry that they put both Ryan Gomes and Gerald Green in the deal. I was like, I like Ryan Gomes is going to be a starting four for this team. Gerald Green's their future star in the making. They, they gave up too much. Al Jefferson is one thing, but all those guys. And of course, like, yeah, we all know how that went. Although Gomes was really good in Minnesota for a couple of years. He was uh, fine. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we loved him here. Um, great dude. Uh, solid player. They did not win any games hardly at all. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he, he was fine. But yeah, I think with Balmero, um, he has real potential, I think, as a defensive stopper type of a of a guard. But he has a long way to go offensively. Um, not much, the, the shot is not pretty. Uh, you know, he, he he's kind of tentative as a playmaker. He's trying to get up to speed with the speed of the game and 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 how things work. Um, so he could give some value from a defensive standpoint, and maybe he develops over the next couple of years. I mean, the jazz are clearly going into total rebuild type of a mode here. If they're going to trade Donovan Mitchell as well. And so just get, throw him out there and see what you got. But, um, but he was pretty raw, pretty, pretty rough from an overall standpoint last year for the wolves and on a team that is trying to go deep into the playoffs. I just don't think there was going to be much time for him here. All right, so let's finish with the rest of the Wolves' core. So, you know, Cat's Cat, I don't know. I don't think there's too much to dissect at that point. We'll see how things go, kind of taking him out of the five responsibility on defense. Anthony Edwards looks like he's got major superstar potential. I I think we both uh, are unsurprised by the Wolves, assuming he's going to be an MVP caliber player. Seems reasonable. A lot of this hinges on D'Lo. And you talked, you talked to D'Angelo Russell out of Summer League. First thing he told you was, have a seat. So you, you took a seat, and... Would you, what did you come away from that interview feeling as far as like is now that he's on a team that really is loaded up and ready to contend is he is he ready to i guess for one stay healthy but like can he be that point guard that he looked like he could be a few years ago to actually be a good pick and roll combo with rudy gobert really freak teams out when he's coming over those screens really scaring them to shoot like how is delo fit into all this yeah, I mean, I think you're right, Jared, in terms of where this team can go and how far they can go will hinge a lot on D'Angelo Russell. I mean, um, he has a very unique position on this team right now where he is a point guard that is maybe known a little bit more as a shooter, ice in his veins, things like that. But the reality of his game is he's a much better passer than he is a shooter. Um, and he had his best passing season of his career last year, and he needs to be the quarterback of this offense. He's got to be able to walk that balance between um, getting Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns, his, their touches, making sure that Rudy Gobert is satisfied with his role in the offense 
And then also finding a rhythm for himself to be able to knock down shots, to be able to attack the drop coverage and the pick and roll and, and really make uh, opponents uh, hurt for, for deploying that. And, and so, you know, they have Jared, uh, they have Jordan McLaughlin as their only other real point guard on the roster at this point. So Russell has to stay healthy and has to stay fully engaged. And the, what I wanted to glean from our conversation was just his state of mind at this point. Last season finished very poorly for D'Angelo Russell, did not play well in the Grizzlies playoff series, uh, didn't even finish the game six, the final game. He was on the bench for the last five minutes or so in favor of McLaughlin because McLaughlin was just playing a lot better. And uh, Russell's shot selection, his turnovers, all of these things just were not really working out for him. Um, and so he was going into this summer eligible for a contract extension. And so far, we have not seen any real movement on that front. And so I was wondering you know, just how he was feeling about everything around him. And D'Angelo is a very... Uh, he's not an emotional player, but you can the the team can feed off of his energy for better or worse. And there are times when he is fully engaged and locked in and and really galvanizes the team. And then there are times where he's kind of checked out and he's not, you know, he's not on board or he's in a funk uh, mentally. And that kind of uh, absorbs or soaks up energy from the team and takes it away. And so um, I wanted to just see where he was at in in terms of what he saw with. Tim Connolly come aboard with Rudy Gobert, with Kyle Anderson, with with all of these changes that are happening and with his own contract situation, how he viewed it. And I was quite frankly, Jared, really surprised when when I sat down with him at how optimistic he was about this situation. And I don't think he was just saying it to say it. Um, that's not what D'Angelo Russell does. And so he was very excited about Rudy Gobert because he plays his best basketball, D'Angelo does, with a pick-and-roll man who likes to roll to the basket. And that's what Rudy Gobert does exclusively. Um, he really likes what Chris Finch has been able to do as a coach in terms of getting everyone on the same page. So he has a lot of faith that that's going to work out. And then with his contract situation, he said, look, I want a contract. Hell yeah, is what his, his, his comment was, is that I do want a, an extension and want to stay here. But he did say that he watched how Jalen Brunson navigated last season in Dallas and um, and how he used the, a, a great season to parlay that into a big deal with New York. D'Angelo did that when he was in Brooklyn in his last contract year, parlayed that into a max deal with Golden State. And so um, I think that he sees an opportunity either whether he, whether he gets an extension or they go into the season and win a bunch of games and he plays really well things are going to work out for him. So he has sort of a peace of mind that I wasn't anticipating that he did have. And it seems like he's all on board here with it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Okay, so last thing quickly, they they added Kyle Anderson. Mm. They keep most of their core together. They still have Nas Reed, still have Torian Prince, do. still have Jalen Noel. Do you see them making another move, regardless of? I know the whole league is waiting for some Kevin Durant deal, so maybe there's some spinoff things that come out of that. But otherwise, do you see them still doing something? Yeah, I do. Um, they they have a couple of ro- open roster spots still, just given the uh, lopsided nature of the trades of five for one or whatever it was. And so I think they will fill those spots. Um, there's a couple of needs that they have. They they could use another big uh, just for kind of injury insurance and 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 things of that nature. I think Nathan Knight is a real possibility just to kind of stay on um, as as the fourth big and and have a chance to play every once in a while in case of emergencies. They may look elsewhere as well, but I think that's a name to watch. Um, you could also say that they could use another playmaker, uh, whether you know someone as a you know, pseudo third point guard type of a role. Um, and so they could they could kind of look for options there. And finally, I mean, they they need as much shooting as possible. Um, they they traded Malik Beasley, one of the best shooters in the league. Pat Beverly actually shot very well for them, even at a lower volume. And and so the more shooters that they can surround Gobert with, that they can surround Anthony Edwards with, um, I think that they will be in the market for. Like you said, Jared, I do anticipate that they will sort of keep their powder dry right now and see if they can pick up someone that maybe wasn't initially anticipated as being available, either in a, you know, a Donovan Mitchell type of a deal where they Mitchell's going somewhere else, or in, if KD gets moved or Kyrie gets moved and, and there are kind of extraneous pieces that need to land somewhere else. I think the wolves are, are going to hold the four and look at those options before they would go for, you know, a Ben McLemore, uh, you know, uh, a Jeremy Lama, you know, somebody out there that's just kind of sitting on the free agent market right now. So they can be patient with it. They can ride it out because I think they feel really good about their top nine or 10 and, and how that rotation will look. And then if they can just add a few other elements that they're a little short on right now, they'll feel great going into uh, the, the training camp. He's John Krasinski, covers the Wolves for The Athletic, hosts The John Krasinski Show, which is about John Krasinski, I assume. I assume we just tell your life story. Of course. Yes, always, it's, every episode. It, it's actually really good. It's definitely worth listening to if you like the Wolves. And if you don't like the Wolves, screw you. This Wolves are fun. <laughs> so that'll do it for The Daily Ding here on The Athletic NBA Show. We will be back soon because there are more trades to talk about on the horizon. We'll see you soon. Start her up, champ. Yeah. Uh, let her rip.